Welcome to Live Well Long, where we deliver life-enhancing, empowering messages for body, mind, and spirit to those seeking to get the most out of life, who have a zest for learning and know that learning must be an ongoing activity to achieve a vibrant, thriving life. This is your host, Alexandra Van Horn. Stay tuned for another episode of Live Well Long. Hey everyone, this is Alexandra Van Horn with Live Well Long, where we discuss all kinds of things that help people explore what they can do to live well long. And today we have a super interesting guest, Denise Garrett, and I'm going to share a little bit about her and you'll soon find out, yeah, this is going to be a cool podcast. So ever feel like you could be successful and live the life of your dreams, if only? If only you had more time, money, energy, support, you fill in the blank. Well, Denise Garrett is an expert at giving people the proven strategies, tools, encouragement, and support they need to overcome the if-onlys in life so they achieve their dreams and enjoy their best life. As a former firefighter, she knows what it's like to fight fires and deal with tragedies, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. As her county's first and only female firefighter during her years of service, Denise knows knows what it takes to be heard in a world where she was pulled in a million different directions and bombarded by stress at every turn. And she knows what it takes to thrive in spite of stress and pain. After leaving the fire department, Denise went on to become a therapist and later switching to a coaching model that serves her clients better. Her combined interest from her own school of hard knocks as a firefighter and therapist slash coach led her to develop the Made to Thrive system. When not sharing her Made to Thrive system with people, Denise enjoys spending time with family, friends, and her dogs. She also enjoys spending time in nature, hiking, golfing, and adventure racing. So... Let's welcome Denise. Welcome, Denise. It's so great to see you and be here with you. And first off, please tell me what adventure racing is. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast, Alexandra. It's really great to be here. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Uh, Um, So adventure racing, for those of you um, who have never heard of it, um, it's not surprising. It's not one of the most popular sports in the world, but it's kind of like an off-road triathlon. And you're in the middle of nowhere, usually, using a compass and a map to navigate from point to point as you collect things called checkpoints, which are just, you have to prove that you were in a location so that the uh, race directors know you were there. And it always involves um, mountain biking, trekking or hiking, and paddling. Paddling could be a canoe, it could be a kayak, it just depends. And unlike a triathlon, they're not in any specified order, and you may do each discipline more than once. Um, So it's a, it takes a lot of, uh, we, first of all, it takes a navigator, which I'm not the best navigator. Thank God my race partner is, Um, Uh but it does take a lot of endurance and a lot of um, strategic planning and making those wise strategic decisions so that you can um, place well, or at least finish the race. Wow. Wow. And so someone else designs the race and does everybody in the race get like a different course? No, everybody has the same course um, and you're given the same instructions. Like, you know, 
uh, let's say they say you're supposed to start with paddling and then go move on to biking and then move on to the foot portion. Everybody does it in that order. Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. they, um, the courses are more linear and sometimes they're what they call Rogaine, which is you can go out and back and go to a different section and out and back kind of thing. Wow. Uh, but they're not in any, like in a triathlon, it's always swim, bike, run. Okay. Um, in adventure racing, it's totally not that. They can, they can have it any way they want it. And it is designed by a race director who vets the course before the race. So they have an idea of how long it should take you to finish. For instance, the most popular races that we do are 12 hour races or 24 hour. Mm. The most wow. the longest race I've done was 36 hours. Um, and there are eight hour and four hour races as well. Oh, for the, for the weak ones, huh? <laughs> no, those epic. are more for people that are new to it and they're right. just learn the ropes, so to speak. Yeah, yeah no, I'm joking when I say the weak ones. I mean, to me, a four-hour race is like over the top as it is. <laughs> it's a That's sweet cool. pace yourself, but it is definitely an endurance sport. Um, yeah. Definitely. Wow. Wow. You, you, you are no stranger to challenges for sure. I get wow. I have, I have people ask me all the time, is adventure racing fun? And I go, hmm. It's fun when you get done, I guess. It's uh, it has its fun moments and it has its um, funny moments where we laugh a lot. Um, but really, for me, it's just more the reward that I like that sense of reward that I feel when I finish the race. The accomplishment, yeah, yeah that you did it. Yeah, accomplishment. It's like, yeah, I did this. You know, wow, is really an amazing feeling. So wow, so it's it's trekking, which is like walking through nature, could be mountains hiking, yeah. Are. Some people run it. Um, okay. We don't. We're older now and our knees say no. Um, right. Yeah, I hear you. As fast as right. we can. Might right. jog short portions, but typically you don't run it anymore. Right. So it's trekking, mountain biking, and some form of rowing. Yep. Wow. Got it. Wow. Very cool. Wow. Wow. And so now you've been a firefighter and... Mm-hmm. Then you transition to to therapy and now coaching. So you have really interesting, I guess, life learnings, experience and life learnings you had along the way. How, like to start with, how has your experience as a firefighter influenced your life professionally and personally? Wow, that's in so many ways. Um, So one of the first ways that firefighting influenced me was it really taught me that we're not guaranteed tomorrow and it doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. Um, We're not really guaranteed tomorrow. So what that made me do in life is make sure that my loved ones know that I love them Mm -hmm. um, every day because I never know when my last chance to do so will happen. Right. Um, So that was a huge gift. I think, um, for me, I'm very conscientious of that. Um, anyway, there's that. And then another thing it taught me is just that, you know, there's a lot of diversity in life and I think it's meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. And as human beings, no matter what your, your race, your religion, your political affiliation, your job, you know, you name anything that could be used as a, make the, as a distinction that makes somebody different. Right. Um, underneath it all we're all human and we yeah, all yeah. we all want to be well we all want to feel safe we all want to feel loved and like we belong absolutely and 
um, it gave me a much broader appreciation for just that sense of humanity that we all are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It also gave me a great love for teamwork. Um, because to do what we did, we had to have each other and rely on each other. And I think it's interesting that um, the John Wayne philosophy in America, like, you know, I'm going to do it all on my own. I got this. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> it, that it, it's still so prevalent in our culture, um, because really and truly, when we think about it, we don't do anything alone. Like even think about brushing your teeth. You know, mm -hmm. somebody made that toothbrush. Right. Somebody made the toothpaste, somebody transported mm -hmm. it from the facility where it was made to the place where you bought it. Right. You have a job that gave you the money to go buy it. People mm -hmm. at the grocery store or the store you bought it from had people put it out on the shelf for you. Yeah. Had, they had people to help you check out. So it's really, when you think about it that way, we're all a big team in this thing called life. Right. And so it's not much nicer when we work together. Mm -hmm. instead of against each other right and I learned that firsthand when I became a widow with young children that you know wow I can't do this alone I need the help of family and friends you know it's just and thank I'm so grateful that I did have good friends and family and neighbors that you know we could use teamwork to help each other get through you know carpooling challenges getting kids to different activities and you know you name it but yeah, it's, it's so true. And then getting back to the, the toothbrush and toothpaste example, I, even, I often think of like even the people that you know, designed the tube and created the label and did the artwork. <laughs> it's like, like that one tube of toothpaste or toothbrush, you know, probably took thousands of people to get it to be in your bathroom <laughs> ready for you to brush your teeth, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. why I think it's important for us to be grateful for each participant in yeah. our life, you know, and uh, express that gratitude whenever we can. Right. Like sometimes when I'm at the grocery store and they're setting out produce, let's say, yeah. I'll just thank them. I'll say, thank you so much. Have a nice day. Yeah. You know, yeah. some little something just to show like you're part of my team and I get it. Right. Good point. That's, and what a, what a great teaching that is for even for them or others that hear you say that, you know, like they may not think of, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're just doing their job, but they may not realize that. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of that. So my mom is a um, elderly and we have arranged for her um, trash to be picked up at her house rather than she doesn't have to take it down to the curb. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been able a few times to thank the gentleman that comes up the driveway to get her trash for, and he just beams every single time. Uh, it's just so nice. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate him because beyond, you know, most people think, well, Denise, really, it's just trash, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but do you understand that without trash being picked up and collected, right? These would spread. Like, do you understand that? Like Lovely. lives could be at stake. So these guys really, they are lifesavers. I mean, because they, they are disease control specialists is how I kind of think of yeah, them. Yeah, right, right. And even just in the appearance of the environment, you know, I remember in times when you'd hear that, you know, whether the garbage trucks in New York City were on strike or something, you know, whatever, you know, the, the, the heaps of trash that can pile up in a, a day's time yeah. is uh, unbelievable. So yeah, it's such a teamwork to keep this world working. And of course, with the supply chain issues we've been hearing about of late, 
you know, it, it, again, if anything, this pandemic has shown to us how interdependent we really are on each other. Yeah. So if, you know, if there's any uh, divine lesson that we could all learn is, you know, wow, we, you know, we're going to survive if this, this planet's going to survive. It's just one huge teamwork. You know, if we can just get everybody to on the same page or <laughs> cooperating, however that looks. <laughs> right. When you said part of a divine plan, that made me think back to um, firefighting. So I always believed in a higher power. Mm. Um, I call that power of God. Other people call it, you know, the universe, goddess, spirit, Allah, Buddha, whatever you want to call it. Right. Right. There are many names for it. But um, firefighting certainly brought me uh, closer or to a more personal relationship and experience with that power. Um, cause you know, there are still days when I wake up and I go, wow, I'm still here <laughs> because my life, um, you know, I could have lost my life many times. Um, like my brothers, my fellow brothers, I mean, we really, we were very lucky to still be here to still be alive and kicking, right. so to speak. Um, yeah. so that power, um, worked some miracles in our lives. I call them miracles anyway. And, um, just brought me closer to that realization of that presence that that loves us that's always there for us not yeah. trying to get too religious um, no absolutely though I don't know like how people I, I know people do get through their day without that awareness but it's a lot harder and more painful I think you know um and I am so grateful for that uh spiritual practice for connecting to whatever we call it, the divine holy spirit god universe great white spirit you know it's all kinds of names but uh i don't know how people get through their lives without it without so much pain and anguish you know it's a lot harder that way i find i yeah. think it would be too yeah absolutely yeah wow wow and um so then so you've done the firefighting and then you transitioned can you share a little bit about your transition from firefighting to saying, okay, it's time for something else. And like, what was it that had you move on to doing therapy or becoming a therapist? So there were many things that led to my decision to go back to graduate school and get a degree and become a therapist. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the main ones was I got in, you know, I got injured. Um, I had a knee injury, had a knee operation. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, crap, what if I can't do this job until I can retire? Because it's a very physically demanding job. It's the most physically right. demanding thing I've ever done in my life. Right. Um, and I'm a planner. I, I like to know that, you know, I'm doing my part to make sure that I'm provided for. Um, right. And so I was like, what am I going to do? And I really didn't know when that first came up. Um, so I just kind of sat with it. But in my off-duty time, I, I did some volunteer work with what was then called the Georgia Council on Child Abuse. Mm -hmm. And it was like a hotline. People would call and they could, if they were struggling emotionally or had questions about what to do, those kinds of things, um, they mm -hmm. would call the hotline and volunteers would answer. We went through training and we had um, supervisors that were there. So when things got beyond our scope, they were right there to assist us or jump in and take over. But right. um, I really enjoyed my work there. Right. And um, the people that like my supervisors encouraged me, they were like, you know, you're really good at this. You really have a knack for it. You should become a therapist. Uh -huh. So they planted some seeds. And, and when the knee thing happened, I was kind of like, Hmm, I wonder, 
But one of the other things that kind of fit in there, and there were other factors that I won't get into today, um, but um, we used to run a, we used to be called out to this home on a regular basis. And it was a domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. And the husband would beat the snot out of the wife. Mm. And uh, over time, they had three small babies. Um, yeah. And I just knew someday we were going to, somebody was going to end up dead or, and or in jail. Like I just, oh, wow. I knew it was going to happen. And wow. it, it finally happened. And despite my best efforts, like, so off duty, I, I researched um, the women's shelters and domestic violence, you know, help in the area. And I tried every time we would go, even though that wasn't my job, you know, I was there to take care of the physical injuries. Um, I would try to. So give, this was as you were a firefighter. Right. Okay. We give this woman information. And then one day we, we pulled up, I mean, we knew the address, so we knew who it was and what it was about as soon as we heard the address, but one day we pulled up and, um, someone was dead. One of the parents was dead and, Mm. and it, it just made me feel like there had to be more I could do Mm. that combined with what I was experiencing at the Georgia council on child abuse, the encouragement I received there made right. me think, hey, maybe I could play a better role in ending violence right. if I became um, a therapist. Right. And so that right. started my journey. Awesome. Wow. Wonderful. Wow. And so you did, you went back to school, became a therapist or a licensed clinical social worker, I think you said at one yeah. conversation we had, right? And, um, and then you did that for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you found that coaching would be, might be a better model for some of your clients. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So first of all, when I graduated from uh, graduate school, I, I knew I wasn't what most would call a traditional therapist mm-hmm. um, because I look at people and problems. And this probably comes from my experience as a firefighter as bad things happen in our lives right. and they they influence how we react. Like they, they have an impact on us. And just because you went through some things doesn't mean anything that's wrong with you. Right. So when you go to graduate school to become a therapist, you're given this diagnostic and statistic manual where you diagnose people with um, conditions. Right. Um, So I think people live up to their labels. And I was Mm -hmm. always very careful about how I label people. I really want to label people with the best label possible. It doesn't mean I have blinders on. It doesn't mean, you know, if your arm's chopped off, I'm ignoring the fact that your arm's chopped off. You have a chopped off. You need to deal with that, right? Um, Excuse me. But in general, um, I was very hesitant to label people with things that um, I've considered limiting. Mm -hmm especially when I look at people like, look, you've been through some things most of us have in life. And that might explain why you're experiencing the problems you're experiencing right now. I apologize for my sneezing. So people, people are often doing the best they can given where they came from and what they're up against. Yeah. So for me, I didn't want to label them and limit them. I wanted to encourage them to grow into or achieve the things that they really wanted in their life. And so that's like coaching. That's what coaching does. But there wasn't really a term for it back 
when I started my practice years right. ago. Right. Um, so in, in, with even me not knowing, I really shifted to more of a coaching model mm -hmm. um, long before it was even a thing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, it really came from that place of, you know, people often, to, most of us, we have something we want to achieve and it, we would have already achieved it if we knew how to get there. Right. Right. So there's something in our way and a coach's job with this, with a player on, you know, if you're dealing with an athlete is to look at their natural strengths, look at their weaknesses and take both things and work with them so that the athlete excels at this right. at the sport. So in life, we all have our strengths. We all have the things we're not so hot at and we all have places we want to go. So my job as I see it is to leverage your strengths deal with your weaknesses. Sometimes that means like, you know what, like if you're talking to me, I'm not cut out to be a computer geek. Like that is not Denise's thing. Mm -hmm. But Denise doesn't need to try to learn that. No, right. no, 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 no. She right. needs to find people to do that for her right. so that yeah. she can, can lean on her strengths and use her strengths and talents right. to their best. So in my case, that means something like that right. to achieve my goals, right? So everybody has different strengths and weaknesses and different Absolutely. goals. So yeah. my job as a coach is just to help them leverage both of those properly so that they can achieve their goals. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. And I love that. I love the whole model because it's, it's forward. It's a forward progression. Correct. We can look within, ask ourselves why this, why that, and they can take us down a rabbit hole that doesn't. And then sometimes that's helpful to look at, to reflect. But often, I love the coaching model myself, as you know. <laughs> yes, I do. So, so how can people tell when, when um, therapy is better versus coaching for them? Like, how can they, you know, be guided in, in making a, a good choice for themselves? If there is necessarily a choice or do they do both in your eyes? It, well, first, it depends on your, your practitioner. I won't even call it a therapist or a coach. It just depends on your practitioner. But I will say, when I sit back and look at now, um, I think therapy is good for someone who's struggling with things from their past, and they just can't seem to get through them. Right. Um, so if you're, like you mentioned earlier, um, if you're forward thinking, mm -hmm. then coaching is probably a better model for you. Mm. If you're focused on the past and maybe you're grieving the loss of something, maybe you, you're dealing with some trauma that you just haven't um, unpacked yet or overcome or healed, mm -hmm. I think therapy is a great place for that. Um, mm -hmm. And there are many good practitioners out there that can help with that. Mm -hmm. um, I also think therapy is good when you're dealing with addictions mm -hmm. of any kind. Um, mm -hmm. There's good programs. And Sometimes I think therapy is a better fit for someone who is aware enough to know that they're repeating the same pattern over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but they, and they just can't quite break free from it. Right. They keep dating um, the same person or something in different forms. <laughs> right. Sometimes I think therapy might be a better fit for something like that. Right. right. Um, whereas coaching is, it's to me, it can help with, uh, the latter one we just talked about, like the pattern repetition. Mm -hmm. Coaching for me is really when people are, um, it could even be a vague sense of like, I know I'm made for more, but I just don't know what it is. 
-hmm. Because when you talk with a coach, they're going to help tap into your talents, your strengths, your vision for yourself, your life. They'll help you get there and then help you figure out, you know, okay, here's where we are now. Let's figure out how to get you where you want to go. I think that's what a coach would do. So I like what you said about forward thinking. I think Mm -hmm. when you want to work with a coach is when you have like a vision or even if it's vague, but more of a vision for your future or a desire for your future. Um, Is that clear enough? Yeah, no, I agree. As as opposed to like, because often, you know, depending on what's happened in someone's life, they may feel that they're a, a victim of their past which is certainly a valid mindset from what they've experienced, you know, if they felt there was an imbalance or a trauma. Um, And, and then, but the coaching model is more like, you know, I'm moving forward beyond whatever that was occurred. I can put that in the past, heal it, whatever therapy is necessary, but then create a life. Like I see it as like two separate, two separate worlds. If that makes sense. I think that um, I know when I coach clients, um, I the victim mentality comes up. I mean, let's be honest, it even comes up with me sometimes, you know, like if I don't get my way or, or you know, right. maybe I wanted a result. You know, right. this, Why is this happening to me again? It didn't happen the way I wanted it to. And I get frustrated right. for a minute and I'm like, right. oh, you know, poor me. Um, but the difference for a coaching client is they catch that and they shift it very quickly because they take responsibility. They go, okay, what was my part in this? Or what did I miss? What can I do better? You know, they're more, um, they they adapt to doing that quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas when you're really stuck in that victim place and and you have valid reasons for feeling that way, I think therapy is the better fit then. Um, Like I have a best friend now. So I'm dealing with my mom who's 84 years old and Mm -hmm. She's struggling. She's in, she has in-home hospice care um, givers helping us. Thank Mm -hmm. goodness. Um, But sometimes she gives me a run for my money and I get either frustrated or just really sad because it hurts to see her suffering so much. And so I have a best friend and we have a deal where when we're feeling sorry for ourselves, we call each other up and we say, Hey, here's what's going on. Um, and then the, like, if I call her, I, I say, mm-hmm. Hey, Monique, here's what's going on. Monique will say, well, you have this much time to feel sorry for yourself. She literally gives me a time. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Set the timer. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then she said, wallow in it, wallow in it fully, like right. really, really feel the feelings, really yeah. let yourself experience. And yeah. then at the end of that time, you need to snap out of it and either come up with a solution, talk to me so we can come up with a solution together or, right. you know, just move on with the things, you know, you need to get done today. Yeah. We do that for each other That's because great. it allows for that space of being very human. Right. Which we all feel vulnerable and weak and, and victimized sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it allows for that space, but it also is like, Hey, you're greater than that. You're going to need to deal with it, feel it, and let's move through it and get you back on track to right. where you really want to go. Yeah we kind of do that for each other and if you have a good friend in life you can do that with or a coach Mm -hmm. or or i highly recommend it it's very effective yeah it it keeps me from stuffing my feelings right sometimes we need that the expression to vent just i just need to vent (laughs) i've done that with friends or neighbors i I just had a vent right now (laughs) and then go through my venting okay and i know it'll work out and i know tomorrow i'll feel better and blah 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 (laughs) but i just need to vent (laughs) 
right yeah, yeah. a good listening that, ear because we're yeah. human i mean we have our emotions for for a reason and i think basically i think of our feelings as our friends mm, okay and they're whatever the feeling is if it's sadness if it's anger if it's joy if it's peace it's just they're they're just there to tell us hey i really really like this and i want more of it or man this sucks i don't ever want this again yeah and those yeah. are just there that's why i say there are friends because if i'm angry that means i didn't like what happened and i don't want that experience again so then the invitation is so what do i want instead right right and how can i create that right right so it's not like our feelings have to be these big scary things they're really our friends and they're our allies just pointing us into what works for us and what doesn't mm -hmm. from yeah. my point of view Right. I, I, there's a wonderful poem by Rumi. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't quote it, but it has something to do with every day. You know, it's a guest house, you know, who, whatever emotions or feelings are showing up, welcome and something is welcome and rejoice in them all or something to that. I mean, not like we want to be happy that we're angry, but in other words, just making room for everything that they all we let them flow. We don't get attached to any one of them. And we can process them, observe them, and then when it, do whatever it is we need to process them and then move on. Right. A more positive mindset. Yeah. I need to find that poem. It's a good, it's a good one. I think it might just be called the guest house, I think. Something to that effect. So it's a good yeah, having space big, for that is yeah. the way you said that. Yeah. Having space for that. And having space for people in our life that like holding a space for them that even when they're going through hard time that they're going to get through it and they, they can actually come out better than they were before. Right. Um, yeah. I use the weather as a metaphor. Like, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the sun is always shining, whether we see it or not. The sun is always shining somewhere, you know, right now there may be clouds. It may be raining, might be terrible weather, you know, hurricane, whatever, but above it all, the sun is still shining and then it'll pass. And then, you know, so I'd look at that as, as a, just a metaphor for how we can process life, you know, that the, the wind, the rain, the storm can be just whatever our feelings are. And then when it passes, oh, the sun is shining again. Okay. So not being attached to it, believing that it's never going to shine again or that the rain is going to last forever or whatever, because we know that it, everything just passes through. I love that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's, I love what you said about not getting attached. I think what happens to us often is something happens in our life and we have a thought about it, but we don't catch the thought. We just go into a feeling state or we, that's what we, how we think it works. Like, you right. know, somebody cut me off in traffic and now I'm pissed off. Yeah. But the reality is there's a gap in there that says I felt threatened. Right. Yeah. And then I got angry, right? Because, you know, right. our dance with fear. And so- yeah in but we collapse it so that we we think we are our feelings yes. and we're not we're yeah. that gap where we get to choose what we put in that gap like we're the yeah. chooser and so once we get that and i think meditation can help with it but once we get that we find ourselves not getting um we're not as reactive right yeah. um and then sometimes there there are things that will continue to be growth points for us where we will we'll notice we keep having a reaction and when we can identify what that reaction is really all about. Mm -hmm. um, 
we can go, wow, you know, is this something I choose to keep or is this something I choose to work on and maybe let go of? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it takes a certain amount of, I know I can, I can speak for myself, you know, a certain amount of life experience to, you know, like keep bumping into that wall again. It's like, oh, I'm feeling crummy. Oh, I keep bumping into the wall. I need to stop, you know, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, but, you know, um, that when we realize we don't like how we feel and we finally get to that point where the, the disappointment, the heartache, whatever is enough, and we realize, okay, I'm in charge of what I can do with this now. And then, like you said, you know, make another choice, look at it, see what we want to create instead of going down that path. Wayne Dyer has a wonderful story about, um, you know, you go down a path, there's a pothole, you fall in it, you get mad, you get out, you know, you go down that same road, you keep doing it. And then, you know, at the end of the story, you realize, oh, I'm taking another road, <laughs> you know, but it takes a certain kind of uh, maturity through life to get to that point. Some reach it sooner than later. And everybody's on their own timeline, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, they, I think so. And I think it takes awareness, like self-awareness. Because mm -hmm. sometimes people don't even realize they're repeating a pattern. Yeah. Like all of their friends might, their family might, yeah. but they don't. And yeah. they really hate it if somebody points it out to them. Right. They just think that's life and my life sucks or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm one of those people that always picks the wrong one to date. That's what they think. Um, right. And unfortunately, yeah. because they think that they keep recreating it. Right. Right. Um, but their family and their friends might lovingly realize, hey, you know, they're repeating this, this painful process and we wish that they would stop. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're attached to being right about that, then you can't get free from it. Exactly. And create exactly. a life for yourself. Yeah. So it's kind and of sometimes it, it takes, you know, like bumping into or having an opportunity to meet with say a life coach that says, you know, they can offer, well, you know, there's another road you could take, <laughs> you know, let's, let's explore that road to get yeah. you toward your dreams. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as 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 opposed to thinking, oh, this is just my life. I'm just not made for you know fill in the blank, whatever the success is in their mind that they don't think they can achieve. Yeah, I, I had a coach once who said, anything that you can imagine that you want in life, mm -hmm. if somebody else is already doing it, you can too. Or if somebody mm -hmm. else already has it, you can too. You just mm -hmm. have to figure out what they figured out to get it. Right. Right exactly so the way that you accomplish what you want in life is by studying people who are successful at the thing you want to be successful at right. rather than the people like commiserating with the people who aren't successful at it right exactly they were just born lucky you know, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> no not necessarily they had different gifts maybe you know but everybody's got gifts right but even if if they were born differently like in a different situation i can mm -hmm. still learn from them right absolutely i can learn like how do they think how do they meet how did they make the connections they made how did they think outside the box on this thing how did mm -hmm. they what what practices right. do they implement in their daily life how do they make their decisions like those kinds of things i can study and learn mm -hmm. to imp and improve my situation in life mm -hmm. yeah exactly and and um you know, there's some some classic, great classic books like Think and Grow Rich that, you know, where Napoleon Hill studied 
successful people and wrote this book and really you know I, I have the chapter on decision open because that's that's been a challenge for me in the past. You know, I might be sitting in a restaurant and say, oh, no, I want this. No, I don't. I want that. You know, <laughs> and who knows what came, you know, what childhood experience caused me to doubt my choices of what I wanted to eat or something. But, you know, that, that was just a simple example of it. But uh, it's definitely um, great to explore those things and say, okay. And Mel Robbins, I don't know if you heard of Mel Robbins, but um, she has the five second rule where when you know you want to do something, you give yourself five seconds to get started. You know, you do five, four, three, two, one, and you go, whatever it is, make the phone call, go for the jog, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, but you're procrastinating about or deliberating about, <laughs> you know, when you know you need to do it. So that's a good one. That is um, a good one. Yeah. 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 I always thought that was for when food fell on the floor. But yeah, now, I know that is just that one too. And it might be 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a new, uh, a new model to take that with. Like, right. that. yeah, I think that would really help yeah. anybody when you're, when we're struggling with um, making a decision, if, uh, especially if it's something we really know we want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I tend to be one of those, if I really want to do it, I just do it, you know, and then figure out yeah. stuff as I go, which is not always the pleasant part. Cause it's like, oh man, I made that mistake. I made that mistake. <laughs> right. well, the nice down, thing right? is at least I made them and now I know how to fix them and not make them again. Um, right. But um, it, 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 I have had things sometimes where I have paused and said, wow, I really want to do this. Oh, but you shouldn't, you know, that little shouldn't voice comes mm -hmm. in and yeah. it has all the reasons why. Right. Exactly. And so the five second rule would just clobber those like, right, like those doubts, because it's like, yeah, 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 I don't have time for that. Yeah. I've got five seconds, one, two, three, four, five, gone. Right. There was a time when I was um, doing uh, phone work for different, you know, I worked once uh, in, in loan processing, calling clients, and uh, another time volunteering at a, uh, at a center to call people to enroll in classes, things like that. And, um, and, you know, I've had a list to go through. And so finally, I got to the point where I said, okay, once I put my hand on the phone, you know, this is traditional telephones, not cell phones. And once I put my hand on the phone, then I need to pick it up and go right into the call. So as soon as I touch it, that's my trigger to that I'm not stopping until I dial that number and get some type of progress. Um, but, you know, that, that same idea is like a, a little game I played with myself to say, okay, all I have to do is touch the phone. Okay, now, now I have to continue. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's building success habits. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like that. So when I do this, then that, that sets this chain of events in motion. Right. Pretty much like when the fire alarm goes off in the firehouse, you know. Yeah. Alarm goes off, we all run, we get in our gear, we hop on the truck, and we go. Right. We're in route. We're based on the kind of call. We're coming up with a rough game plan. You don't know till you get there and of course. the scene, but you already know. Like if it's a medical call, we got to jump off with the med kit. If it's a fire call, we've got to assess to decide how much water we're going to need to put the fire out so we can pick the right size hose to put mm -hmm. the fire out. But um, I love what you just said because it's really what that is. Right. When you touch the phone, that's like a success habit. Like when I touch the phone, it sets off these things. Right. Good point. That's really great. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think I remember hearing once too, it's like um, where they were talking about getting people to work out. And they said, well, what you do is, you know, when you get up in the morning, you put your sneakers on. I mean, obviously you got to put clothes on too, but you know, once you put your sneakers on and you tie your laces, then you're out the door, you know, or whatever the, 
work out is going to be, you know, but the same idea. It's like, but just get that little instrumental piece in mind, that one uh, focus of what you're going to do, get you to the next step instead of procrastinating about the whole, thinking about the whole process, you know, so. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of, you know, a body in motion tends to stay in motion and a body mm -hmm. at rest tends to stay at rest. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it's Einstein or Newton or whoever said it, but it's. Uh, yeah, I think it was Newton, I think. Um, I had a boss once that he said, and this was, uh, I worked at Johnson & Johnson years ago. And they, had a, they had a program, I presume it's still there. I don't know. It was called the Live for Life. And it, you know, it was where people could work out in the gym during their lunch hour or whenever they, you know, usually it was typically during their lunch hour. And, uh, and I had a boss that said, you know, it, it's a problem. It, all it is is a problem of inertia. He was an engineer, you know, he said, it's just a problem of inertia. <laughs> you just, which is what you said. If you stay, if you don't get moving, you won't be moving. <laughs> if you get moving, you'll be moving. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard uh, to overcome inertia sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's what like what the coaching does is like holding on to your vision. So when you have a vision, it's like, okay, you know, I want to be in shape or I didn't like I was having issues last year and prior with my hip. And I did all kinds of uh, things. And finally, I found a physical therapist and that, that worked out. And then I've been working out, which has been wonderful. But it's that decision, you know, when I am going to sign up for the workshop, you know, whether it's because it's typically every morning at 7 15 it's an online workout and i think to myself the night before oh, i can am i gonna work out tomorrow so, yeah i need to do that i'm gonna do that and then i register for the course you know <laughs> but it's just that holding on to the vision of what do i want for my body my life my you know whatever it is that's our vision and that's it's so cool holding on to the vision yeah i love this i learned this too that if when our why is big enough we tend to stay in motion. Mm, yeah. So you can have a vision, but if your why for that vision isn't big enough, mm. you might find yourself, um, you know, not necessarily procrastinating, but not moving with velocity, shall we say, or focus. Right. Um, right. So the why to me, that's a positive use of the why. Most of the time in therapy, you know, why did this happen? There's a million reasons why something happened. So mm -hmm. I normally don't find that use of the word why productive right literally a million reasons why right. were, why did my my mother leave my father there's a million reasons exactly and none of them help you solve the problem of the pain you're feeling around that right um it's not like why it doesn't matter but it, it doesn't it doesn't it solve anything yeah. right it doesn't fix yeah. anything but in case of a vision your why when it's big enough, it keeps you focused and in motion. And right. so like, I, I think about parents with this a lot um, and you as a single mom, I know you can relate. So you're the single mom mm -hmm. and you have kids and you want to provide for them. Mm, they're all grown now, but well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Young, you wanted yeah. to provide for them and you wanted to give them a good life. And that was your why. Right. Absolutely. So when you didn't feel like getting up and going to work, that didn't stop you. Yeah. Well, I was blessed. I didn't have that on my plate, I was lucky, but <laughs> well, for but, those things, for the for moms out there and the dads yeah. out there have that, like that's your why sometimes it's your kids because you want to give them yeah. a good life. You want to make sure they have food, they have clothes, they get a good mm -hmm. education. And so those beautiful children are your why. And that's a really big why. Exactly. It's a life mission. 
Yeah. And so that can, that why is so big that on those mornings when you wake up and you just don't feel like going to work, you go anyway, because you've got those three or however many kids you have relying Mm -hmm. on you. And so you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, So I think having a big enough why is very, very valuable when we have a vision. It's like, so, so it's like, uh, I learned this and it's like, so if you want a certain amount of money, why do you want it? Right. The why has to be for, otherwise it's just a number. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. it's just some random number and you're kind of, kind of half-assed, pardon my language, but go yeah. at it. You know, yeah. you're not going to give it your full right. everything, right. but when you have a big why behind mm-hmm. it. Like um, maybe your why could be, I want to feed hungry children and make sure that no child mm-hmm. goes hungry. If that's right. your why, you're going to do all sorts of things to make that. Right. You're going to stretch way outside your comfort zone because that why is so big. Right. Or some type of legacy for the future. Yeah. Um, There's a a, a cute story I remember from my years of ministry, which um, there is a frog crossing the road and he crosses the road and then he gets stuck in a rut. And all his frog buddies are on the other side of the road saying, come on, come on, you can, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And he, you know, he tried, he couldn't, he tried and he couldn't. And then suddenly he was able to do it. And the story goes, well, how, how is it that you were able to do it? He goes, well, I couldn't do it and I couldn't do it and couldn't do it until a truck came. And then I had to, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whatever that, you know, there's sometimes there's just something that happens like, okay, now I got my life mission. Now I've got my purpose. I know exactly what I need to do, you know? So, and it could come in the form of something that looks like, uh, whether you want a tragedy or just a, an awful situation and you go, okay, now I know what I want to do in life. Like that, that moment that you had when you realize, okay, I, I want to help people be able to, you know, not be in abusive situations or get out of them while there's still time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's great to have that time. I just read an article the other day about people that spend time reflecting on their own processes. Their human processes have much better results later in life with their cognitive abilities. There's like a less chance of dementia setting in when they are self-aware, which is what, you know, what we're talking about, looking at the, you know, what can I do differently so that I don't keep having these same issues. So people that self-reflect have a better chance of having good cognitive abilities later in life. I love it. That means yeah. I should be okay. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, I had a coach one time who, a uh, business coach, who said um, at the end of every day, you should journal about what went well for your business that day and what didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and make notes of how you plan to improve what didn't and how you plan to, it's kind of like the debriefing we used in the fire department, but how can mm-hmm. you capitalize on what went well so you can continue that success moving forward? Right. And then how can you, like, when you look at what didn't go well, how can you improve upon it? And um, it really, when you take that kind of time for self-reflection, and it could, doesn't have to be just in a business. It could be about your day as just, you know, Jane or John out there having a living life, you know, what well and what didn't, and if it didn't go well, how can you improve it? And if it did, obviously we want to repeat the things. We want to keep those things going. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? How do we incorporate that? Um, and that kind of reflection, I find very helpful. Um, and sometimes, you know, I discover it's me that was the one that needs a little improvement. Uh, 
well, we're all works in progress, right? That's Otherwise, right. we that's wouldn't what be here, say. right? That's what I think. It's like you know, as long as we're on the planet, we're we've got opportunities for growth and learning. <laughs> okay. I always say I'm a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things I, one of the phrases I've coined is uh, everyone's at their own frontier. Yeah, everyone, no matter where they are, and you know whether they're you know having an awful life, a great life, everybody's at some frontier. And that they still have their challenges at whatever that frontier is and opportunities to grow and learn. And say, what can I do differently? Can I, you know, what can I do next to have a better, more fuller experience, whatever that is? Love that question. Uh, yeah. So this has been awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I learned about adventure racing, which is something I don't think I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty cool sounding. That's very cool. Very cool. It is an adventure. Yes, yes. So how can people, how can listeners reach, find you if they want to reach out to you? The What's best way to find me is to go to CourageousLeadershipAcademy.com. So www.CourageousLeadershipAcademy.com. Um, and you can find out about, you know, my company, me. Uh, there's a way you can connect with me there. Um, you can also, uh, there's a Courageous Leadership Academy page on Facebook. It's my page. Mm -hmm. So you can feel free to connect with me there as well. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, this is Alexandra signing off and Denise Barrett with the podcast Live Well Long. And remember to do things every day to take care of yourself, body, mind, spirit, whatever that means for you. Take care now. Thank you for listening. This is Alexandra with Live Well Long. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our important episodes. We want to be sure that you get everything you can to do your best to live well long. Feel free to reach out to me at alex at avhcoaching.com. And remember to take good care of yourself so that you live well long. Talk with you soon. Bye. Hey, psst, it's Alexandra. One more thing. Would you please share this on Facebook, Twitter, send an email to your friends, just hit the share link and pick a way to share it. I would love it. Thank you so much. Bye.